So have you ever done something that you really didn't have your heart all the way, all the way in? You weren't really totally, I mean, you just plain weren't, weren't that excited and passionate about doing it. You ever had to do that? You ever had to go somewhere or do something? Maybe you had to go, well, maybe you had to go visit some of the in-laws. I remember years ago I shared this, some parts of this message, and I remember the example I used because it was fresh at my time. I had to go to a graduate, or not a graduation, a class reunion with my wife down in Bancroft, Iowa. My heart was not in it, to say the least. But I went because I love my wife. Because I had to. (laughs) And when I got there, my heart still wasn't in it. It's not that they weren't good people, but, you know, if you've been to class reunions, and I have, not for years, but it, it, it doesn't always exemplify the type of lifestyle that I'm comfortable with anymore. They celebrate a little bit more than I would celebrate. And I didn't know anybody. And for me, my heart wasn't in it because my wife grew up with all kinds of friends in high school. The problem was they were all guys. And I had this little issue called insecurity and jealousy. So we were going back, and in my mind, we're going back to see all our old boyfriends. It's not a class reunion. It's a Cindy Welp reunion of old boyfriends. Didn't matter that it wasn't true. My heart wasn't in it. When it comes to worshiping God, we are commanded by the Word of God to worship Him. The thing we need to understand about worship, and I shared a little bit this morning, was it's all about the attitude of our heart. Worship is an attitude of our heart, whatever form it takes. You know, Scripture tells us to sing unto the Lord. It tells us to clap. It tells us to shout. It says dance before Him. We see examples where they fall prostrate before him. You know what? You could do all those things, and it's not worship. It's not worship. We can read the word of God, and it may not even be worship if our heart's not in it. If all those things are either coming from our flesh or an act of duty because we have to, we don't really want to, it is not an act of worship. It's an attitude of our heart. Worship, as I said earlier, is basically anything that we do with a heart attitude of, God, I am going to do this to bring you honor and glory. And this morning I'm going to share about an aspect of worship in just a few minutes that, frankly, a lot of times we do it, but it isn't worship. But before I go there, I want to back up and share. I had a, I was, uh, Victory Christian Church was asked to come down to the EDA meeting last Monday night. And the EDA committee has a few council members, a few citizens, and they have this committee. And what they wanted us to do was talk about what we feel the Lord might be doing with us as a church in the area of a daycare, a child care center. And I really feel a necessity to share some things with you where we're at very briefly because right now a lot of the members of the community know more than most of us in here do. And that's not good. So would you go ahead and put this picture up there? We have had about, I don't even know, maybe six, eight different floor plans drawn already as we've been praying about what we want to do, what we feel the Lord wants us to do. And this is kind of the most current floor plan. Um, A few weeks ago, I shared a little bit about what we believe the Lord wanted us to do in terms of our own needs. 
We need a much bigger foyer. We need more bathrooms. We need more children ministry space. Um, might be forgetting something. And the possibility of sanctuary space. But we knew we needed space. And we, the child care center was brought to our attention first by someone in the community. And then as we started praying about it, it seems like that's where the Lord is leading us with fear and trembling. So the plan was, let's start drawing some plans, just floor plans, before the architect gets too carried away and see where we end up. Well, after a number of attempts, we're kind of at this now. And and trust me, I told the committee there, this will probably change. But we wanted to show you what we were at right now because what, what has turned out to be a possible floor plan, which you see over here, this side here with a dark line, that is the building you're currently sitting in. Right here, all these people here are sitting in what could become bathrooms. There's no prophetic message in that. (laughs) Amen. So, as you can see, if you follow my little red spot up there on a dark line, that is potentially all new building. This area here would be a very large foyer. This would be the entrance with a vestibule, so there would be two sets of doors to prevent winter from racing in every time we open the doors. The bathrooms here to keep the foyer as spacious as we could. Possibly the coffee shop here with whatever would be out here in terms of a kiosk. And then offices, storage rooms, new sanctuary, and the stage. So if you followed any of that, You might ask, I thought we were going to look at adding on a daycare center. Well, if this plan would hold true, and the Lord doesn't put up any stop signs before us, what we are sitting in will become primarily the child care center. Assume that door was closed. We have a big facility over there with high ceilings where there could be amazing indoor playground equipment. We already would have two offices for directors and teachers in a daycare We have the beginnings of nurseries and toddlers' rooms and classrooms all the way around. And as you can see, this room here would shrink to about here. So we would have our, for our children's ministry, we would have a children's worship center where there would be a stage. Uh, Basically, everything that's in here would stay in here for our children's ministry area and children's worship center. Um, The meeting, I was a little bit concerned about going to this meeting because I didn't know what they wanted and I didn't know what to expect. Well, I got there, and there was probably 30 people at the meeting from the community, including a couple of family daycare operators, and, and we, we shared this picture and shared that we felt that if we do this at all, it's because God's calling us to do it, and that we were looking at it as a ministry, a ministry that we would hope one day break even on, but we know we're not going to make money on it in all likelihood, because in rural areas... Uh, in the general uh, outstate Minnesota, daycare centers don't usually s- survive, certainly don't thrive, because of population and income. There's an unbelievable shortage statewide. That was confirmed again. Uh, some of the biggest concerns I got at, at the meeting were, uh, when can you hurry up and build? They wanted to know what we were going to charge per hour. They wanted to know what our hours were going to be. And then there were people wanting to know if they could get on our waiting list. It gives you an idea of the great need. We had people in the community that have nothing to do with the church encouraging us in the area of applying for grants, 
businesses that are possibly interested in helping to uh, raise funds uh, because you can imagine what something like this would cost. And I don't know what it would cost, but I do know it would be at least a lot. (laughs) However much that is. Uh, As you look at that picture, our current building that we're in right now is about 9,400 square feet. If the addition doesn't change, that one's about 1,440 or 60 square feet. It's almost half again as large as the existing facility. Um, Just to give you an idea, our insurance agent requires us to insure this building at replacement cost of $1.2 million, um, even though we built it for under $600,000. So I wanted to just kind of give you guys an update. The, the, the need out there is not going to weigh according to all the demographics and statistics from the State Department and the, the legislators and everybody that's researching this. The, the, in southwestern Minnesota, the southwestern region of Minnesota, there's over 12,000 licensed spaces for children. And there's over a, a shortage of over 3,500 licensed spaces. And the whole state is like that. And their projections are that the numbers will not change for the next 50 years. So the shortage and the demand is unbelievable. Why would we even consider this a ministry opportunity to serve the community and the surrounding communities? I've got some people in here that I know of that are hauling children to different communities, finding daycare, some hauling one to one community and one to another community and then driving to the third community to go to work. We believe it's just an unbelievable opportunity to impact the surrounding area. We would have people driving to get their kids into a faith-based child care center. And by faith-based, we're not intending to proselytize. We're not trying to convert anybody from anything else. But the way we would operate the, the, the daycare, the way we would, it would handle issues, would be based on what the Word of God says. You know, things like prayer and encouragement, um, love, etc. So I wanted to give that update, just so you're kind of aware in case you hear things in the community Hey, we saw the building that you guys are going to build. First of all, now you've seen it, but that may not be the building we're going to build. We are just in the process. When they asked how long would it take, I said, well, there's a few things that got to happen. One, we got to decide on a floor plan. Two, then we get real architectural drawings done. Then we start getting an idea of what the actual cost will be, and we, we get a definition of what a lot looks like. And then four, we start raising more money much more seriously. Uh, for those that are familiar with the church, we have about 225000 I think. Is that somebody help me out, Cindy? Is that pretty close? $225,000 in our building fund. Um, we're a long ways from what we would have to raise. And then after that, to build a project like this uh, would take probably a little over a year for them to actually build it from the time that they broke ground. So... I told him, we're looking at two, three years, you know, at least. just depends on what God wants to do, uh, if this is where we're headed. Um, and that's when all of the complaints came about, come on, can't you do something quicker? So I think everybody's up to date on that about as well as I can get you up to date. Obviously, it's a big project. Obviously, there's much that we need. We think if we can utilize space, only, not only for our own ministry needs, but for a daycare. We'd be bet- that much better stewards of what God has given us. So we just encourage you to keep praying about this, praying for the leadership as we continue to meet and make decisions. The ADA is behind us 100%. Actually, they're pulling us. Um, 
I, I think I shared about the grant last time, uh, Southwest Initiative Foundation, SWIFT, had applied for a $150,000 grant from the state, and they attached us to it, and they, our part of the request was $35,000. They received a $110,000 grant instead of the whole 150, and it looks like everybody's going to be prorated on that. So we may receive a $25,000 grant already from the state to get some things started. So there's lots of interest, there's great need, and believe it or not, there's actually some monies out there that would not put us as a tax exempt at, in, at risk at all, and it would not cause us to have to compromise our faith and beliefs and what we would do. Uh, it would probably be a separate legal entity. It would probably have a different name than Victory's Daycare or something like that. Um, but we will control the hiring, firing, curriculum, everything. We would have a separate board with members of our elder board on that board and others from our congregation and possibly from outside the church. But it's a legitimate concern. As soon as you start taking money from a state entity, do we lose control? And that's not going to happen. If we even think that would happen, um, we would not take their money. Um, it, we look at it as a ministry outreach of the church. So with that, and coincidentally, giving is worship. That would be the title of my message. I am not going to go into great depth simply because of time, but I think it's important that we understand giving, particularly in the area of money, is a big issue in the church. And as soon as a pastor typically brings up the topic of money or tithing, people start to, to kind of squirm in their seat and say, here we go again, these churches and preachers. I have discovered something. The people that squirm and complain are the ones that aren't giving much. No offense intended, but you can take it if you want. That's the reality. It's like anything else. If I'm already doing it and somebody's encouraging us to do it, why would I be uncomfortable about that? And giving is a hard attitude. God has blessed this church. I talked about one sermon, you know, the people in the community call us the rich church. We're not the rich church. Our budget is not, not in, there's not a lot of surplus. But we have every need met. And we have for over 25 years. So we are blessed. We're not, I'm not up here pleading for money because the church is in trouble. It's not in trouble. Uh, we feel God's calling us to a big ministry that may require much greater funds. But we believe if this is God's project, and that's why we want to make sure it's God's project, it's not a problem. Finances will come in. Staffing will be as big an issue or bigger. But we believe God can do those things if it's his plan. And reminding us, it's about the heart. In Matthew 6.21, it says, For your treasure is there, will your heart be also. We need to be reminded, and there are many scriptures that tell us for example, in 1 Corinthians 10, 26, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. We as Christians say this all the time. Everything is God's. It all belongs to him. I'll just make sure nobody gets it from me in case he wants me to keep it. And that's not usually God's heart at all. We say it all belongs to him. Do we act like it all belongs to him? Most of us don't. You know, the Bible talks about this. And if you took the academy class, you just heard this from me. But about 500 times it talks about faith. About 500 times it talks about prayer and about 2,000 times it talks about money and material goods. Jesus talked about money a lot. And he made the point when he talked about money that it was an attitude of the heart. 
and that we are called to be stewards of what he has given us. God, I believe, wants you and I to make as much money as we can possibly make and then be good stewards of it and give away as much money as we can possibly give away. Our goal should not be to die with humongous bank accounts. And I'm not saying don't save. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is God wants us to be a conduit of his blessings. He wants us to be a conduit of his love, his mercy, his compassion. But he also wants us to be a conduit of the material goods he blesses us with. And when we do that, it's all a form of worship. And it comes to the count, you know, how much are we supposed to give? I get that all the time. I don't know, as much as you want, as much as you can. But really, you, want to, you're, you should give as much as the Lord puts on your heart to give. Now, does God give us some guidelines? Of course he does. He always does. But the question is, where's your heart when it comes to giving? You know, tithing is 10%. And one of the things that I hear quickly, and I have said it myself, tithing is under the law. And we are no, under the, no longer under the law. Praise God, I don't have to tithe. Well, if that's your heart, gal, don't waste your time. Because it's not going to be worship at all. First of all, tithing was instituted before the law was ever instituted. Tithing was instituted in Genesis. We see it in chapter 14. Abraham tithed to a guy named Melchizedek. It didn't occur in the law. The law wasn't established until 400 years later. So the tithe preceded the law. The tithe was made law with Moses And then with Christ, I believe it is no longer a command because we see nowhere in the New Testament that we are commanded to tithe. There's your get-out-of-jail-free card. But I don't think any of us want to live to the limitations of the law. Grace takes the law and goes way beyond. And we need to look at some of that to understand it. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 that simply says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is not the giving to get theology that we've heard before. This isn't even, you know, plant a seed so you get more theology that we've heard before. I believe that is unbiblical. I believe that is people taking advantage and manipulating people. When it talks about sowing and reaping, we are talking, yes, we plant seed. The seed may be your time. It may be anything that you do unto the Lord. And the more we give, the greater we'll reap in terms of the blessings of God. In finances, it's the same thing. It's about a heart issue. As we give, if we sow, as we give more and more, we reap more and more blessings of God because he's glorified. His ministry expands. It would be nice to live in a world where money was not an important tool in making the gospel relevant in the people's lives. But we live in a world where that's true, and we live in a culture where it's especially true that finances, ministry, expanding the kingdom of God, doing the work requires tools, and one of those tools is money. We can't do much without money. That doesn't hinder our personal evangelism. It doesn't hinder our sharing one-on-one. It doesn't hinder loving people, doing things for people. But if we're going to do something larger, it always requires money. When we say that it's not law in the New Testament, and it is not law in the New Testament, but in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching this great sermon. 
the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching and he's, and he's saying many, many different issues. And one of the comments you hear him say, and really in Matthew 5, 21 through 48, you hear this over and over, you have heard that, but I say. And when he says, but you've heard that, he usually is making reference to something in the law. For example, you have heard that thou shalt not kill. But I say, if you have even had anger in your heart towards a brother, you've already committed murder. You have heard that, that you shall not commit adultery. But I say, under grace, if you've lusted already in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. Notice, the law, geez, yeah, okay, grace takes it further. Grace internalizes it and expands upon it. Under the law, you have heard that you must tithe. Under grace, you should do way less. That would be a disgrace to grace. God expanded under the New Testament in the New Covenant on the law. It's no longer law, but the principles were expanded. They were extended beyond what they were actually under the law. What does giving with the right attitude look like? Smile, right? I can do a lot of things with a smile, and I'm not thinking good things. Some of you are doing that right now. On the outside, you don't look like you hate me and you're mad, but you are. That's okay. In 2 Corinthians 8, what's taking place here, the, the, the church in Jerusalem is, is it's under financial drain. They don't have enough to eat. It, things are really, really tough. There had been a famine around Jerusalem. It was really, really a tough situation for the church in Jerusalem. And Paul is... As talking and writing and talking to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth had made a commitment that they were going to do something. Almost a year ago, they made a commitment, we're going to do something to help our brothers in Jerusalem. Well, they didn't quite finish the task. Their heart was right, but they just kind of got away from them. So Paul's writing him a letter, and he's going to encourage him. And he starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and he writes and he says this, Now, brethren... We wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. He's going to use an example. Paul did a lot of illustrating. And he's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, but I want to just remind you of the grace of God. Giving requires the grace of God. Giving is a release of grace. That's why God gets all the glory when it's done with the right attitude. He says that in a great ordeal of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. Now, isn't that an interesting threesome? Their great deal of affliction, their abundance of joy, and their deep poverty. Wouldn't that be nice? An affliction and poverty, there's an abundance of joy. And he says, out of this, in that situation, overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. In other words, their giving overflowed. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Paul said, I didn't twist arms. I didn't have to manipulate. I didn't make any promises. They just gave out of their own accord. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participating in the support of the saints. In this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Boy, there's a lot in there, and I'm not going to unpack it all, but just look at that. He's telling the church in Corinth, I want to just tell you a story about the churches in Macedonia. It, it was tough. They were in deep poverty. 
There was all kinds of affliction and persecution, but out of the abundance of joy in their heart, the grace of God was released, and they gave. They gave. They didn't have much ability, but they gave beyond it even because they wanted to demonstrate the love of the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. Any form of worship, we should first give ourselves to the Lord. Whether we're going to sing songs of praise and worship, or we're going to spend time in prayer, whether we're going to go serve the poor and needy, whatever, we first should just give ourselves to the Lord. Then our heart is right, not of the abundance of our heart. Love overflows in whatever form that love takes. It's an attitude of their heart. In First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. And I'm going to read it quickly and make a few points <coughs> and we will close. Now this I say, so now he's talking, he's given them the demonstration in chapter 8 or the illustration of the church of Macedonia and now he's addressing them and he says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Notice why you have an abundance for every good deed. It's not selfish. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. As we sow, he will increase the harvest of our righteousness, our righteousness in glorifying Christ, God and the kingdom being advanced. And then he says in verse 11, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given in this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn Yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the way I try to look at us trying to do something for our community and the surrounding area. God, is it going to bring glory and honor to you because everything we do, everything we say, everything in our life, that should be the underlying motivator. That is the foundation. We were created to bring glory to God. That's why he brought us into existence, to bring glory and honor to him. And what we do in a community can bring glory and honor to him. You know, I shared a few weeks ago, and it came up after the meeting talking with some people. You know, if not victory, who will do this? Now, I don't mean that in a negative towards anything or anybody or any other institution, but isn't it amazing that that's what I'm hearing from people outside our church saying, if not victory, who? We have favor. Not with everybody. And we didn't used to have hardly any. Deservedly. But we have favor. The principle is sowing and reaping. How to give prayerfully, logically. Seek the Lord. Generously. With a grateful heart. Filled with faith. 
You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, things are impossible. It's not possible. I look at that plan, and I look at the square footage, and Mike goes into flesh mode. Gal, every morning it seems about 4.30 when I wake up because nature's calling. For you that aren't old enough, that means i got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I go back to bed, and my, be- my brain starts going, and all of a sudden fear starts to enter in, and faith starts to disappear. And I have to consciously, you know what? If this is God, it will work. If this is God, it's going to bring glory and honor to him. If this is God, we do not need to worry about provision. If this is God, and then finally the peace comes back, and I can go back to sleep sometimes. Look at this, and I'm going to go through this quickly. What happens as a result of proper giving, the kind of giving the Corinthian church, and this is all in that short section of Scripture in chapter 9. First of all, look at the benefits to the one who gives. And just ask yourself, would I like those benefits? First, all grace abounds. Oh, my goodness, do we need more grace to abound in our lives? We need to to give generously of everything that we have, our time, our talents, our finances, whatever it is. I want more grace. Give generously, but out of a right heart. Not, "Eh, I need some grace today. I better see if I got any money. No, that's not it. All, all sufficiency in everything. You know, if, if your budget doesn't work well, my suggestion would be look at where you're spending it first and then see what you're giving to the work of the kingdom of God. And so many people say to me, Mike, there's no room in my budget to give to the kingdom of God. And then I say, I love you. Your priorities are screwed up. You tithe every single paycheck to the United States government and you don't hardly know it. You know, we're to give of the first fruits of our labor unto the Lord. First fruits out of a cheerful heart. You know what? If we give first, guess what? There's enough to give to the work of the God, of the Lord. All sufficiency and everything increase the harvest of righteousness. It advances the kingdom of God. His righteousness there increases the harvest We're planting seeds, and we are enriched in everything. That's a pretty good package. We don't give to receive that. We give, and God says, your heart's right. Let me bless you with all these things. Benefits to other people. They are, first of all, blessed by your generosity. Seriously, and some of you were at the meeting Monday night. I mean, they're they're pleading for somebody to do something. It was ironic. Jessica was at the meeting, and she gets a text right during the meeting that another daycare in town is closing April 1st. There were mothers that were frantic. What am I going to do? Wouldn't that be nice if we'd have been able to say, hey, no problem. We wanted you to bring them out here. We want to love on your kids. But we're a ways out, and they got to do just about anything. They'll be blessed by our generosity. Notice what it says. They will praise God as best they understand to do. They will praise God. As you give out of a right spirit, the grace of God is released, and they will praise God. And then it says they will pray for us. I don't know this for sure, but I have a sneaking suspicion there might be people praying for us that have never done that before. Simply because we're considering responding to the Lord's call to bless our community. Benefits to God. Oh, yes, he gets some benefits too. He gets thanksgiving and praise. 
his work grows, his ministries grow, his missionaries are more active. You know, everything we do is mission work and we're reaching out and Jesus gets the glory and the honor. Now in Malachi chapter 3, there's a scripture and you can go and put it up and I'm not going to read it, but it talks about robbing God. And this is Old Testament, but it talks about robbing God. But I think there's some things there that are very applicable to the New Covenant, the New, New Testament. And it talks about robbing God, and they, they say, God, how are we robbing you? And he says, by your tithes and your offerings. You're not bringing them to the storehouse, the storehouse where my ministries take place. You're not bringing in your tithes and your offerings. That's how you're robbing God. And if you read this, sec- this section of Scripture, you'll see what the causes were for robbing God. And I don't think the causes are a whole lot different today, whether you're talking Old Testament or New. The causes are simple. One, disobedience. God blesses us that we can be a blessing. In the Old Testament, it was law. New Testament, we should go way beyond. You know, I tell people, tithing's hard if you've never done it before, but it should be a good place to start for New Testament believers. Not the ultimate goal to end that. Lack of concern for God's work. He says, you bring it. That's disobedience when you don't. For his work, that there may be more food in my house. They didn't care. And a lack of willingness to trust God. This is the place, and I've said this many times in different messages, but this is the place where God says, go ahead, test me in this. Test me in this and see if I will not open up the the windows of heaven and pour out an abundance. Test me in this. Now, I pray that that's not our ulterior motive all the time. But he does throw the challenge down. You know what? Be obedient and see if my word's not true. In all of Scripture, he says obedience brings what? Blessing. Why wouldn't it bring blessing in this area too? And I'm not talking about materialism and material blessings or new cars and pink Cadillacs and all that stuff. I'm talking about spiritual blessings, things that are eternal. So we want to give under grace. And I want to just remind us that under the law in the Old Testament was just a picture of greater things to come under the new covenant. So I just encourage you to be praying, seeking the Lord, seeing what the Lord would have you to do, As we get further in this process, we'll do a better job of keeping the congregation informed on where we're at and all of these things. But frankly, we're just at the place where we're crying out to God, Lord, we need to know what you want. And we want you all to pray that way. That would be great. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for today, this time that we could have with each other, corporately worshiping you as your body. Father, coming together from different places, different communities, bringing our own issues We are at a different place in our walk, and yet we can come together as one, united by your Holy Spirit, and lift up the name of Jesus and declare our praises and our worship. That we can come together as a body of Christ and receive communion to be reminded of the amazing sacrifice that was made on our behalf. I pray, Lord, as we go forth today, we would go with our eyes and our spiritual ears open that we might take advantage of every opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with people. And when the opportunity is there, to share the reason that we love people, that we could share the good news of the gospel with others, that your kingdom would be advanced. Father, we pray for your protection as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.